Please take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 19. And when you find that, please stand with me as we read God's Word this morning. We're going to read John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. This is the Word of God. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for what you do in our lives through it. And we pray that you would teach us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And please be seated. Who is a friend, a consultant, a personal advisor, a referee, a peacemaker, a housekeeper, a chauffeur, an interior decorator, a gardener, a painter, a veterinarian, a manicurist, a barber, a seamstress, an appointment manager, financial planner, bookkeeper, money manager, personal secretary, teacher, disciplinarian, entertainer, psychologist, nurse, public relations expert, dietitian, nutritionist, baker, chef, fashion coordinator, travel agent, speech therapist, plumber, and auto maintenance and repair expert, all rolled into one. Who are we talking about? Mom. Now, uh, recently the Orange County Register ran a little article. It says that moms are worth $138,000 a year. See, if you had to sub out all those tasks, that's what it would cost you. Uh, Salary.com uh, did a uh, survey of stay-at-home moms, and they said they would earn about $138,000 based on the time they spend performing uh, typical tasks. And uh, they spend an average of 92 hours a week. Now, full-time working moms do that, uh, the, the full-time job, plus an average of 49 more hours on top of that. I've told people before, I said, I am, uh, I'm so glad God called me to be who I am because I would not be a very good mom, and for a number of reasons, um, but especially with, uh, with uh, homeschooling the kids and things like that, if I was homeschooling the kids, I would be, uh, my kids would be experts at ordering smoothies at Juice It Up, uh, going to all the local you know, Mexican and Italian food restaurants, and riding bikes all over the city. And that's not completely true, but... I think you get the point. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. By the way, moms, we love you. We love you. Dearly and deeply. Mother's Day. What a concept, isn't it? Think about it. Just think about it for a moment. A whole day. We don't, it's not even true. It's not even a whole day. Maybe it's a few moments. A few fleeting moments for those for whom Children's Day comes 365 days a year. Most moms don't even stop their labor of love long enough to even enjoy 
part of the day. But aren't we generous? One whole day? Mother's Day? Well, motherhood is a sacred vocation. It is a calling, a calling from God given by our Creator. And mothers influence their children greatly. As the saying goes, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Every one of us has a mom. Some of you are snuggled up close to her right now, or just about to. Uh, Others of you are missing your mom because she is not here. Maybe she has passed on. Maybe she lives far away. Some of you have had a great relationship with your mom. And you do right now. Others of you have had a little bit more of a rocky going of it. Um, I also know there are those among us who are probably relieved that they won't see their mom today because of, of uh, things aren't just, they're not right between you. Mother's Day uh, can be painful for, for many moms. Uh, they've been hurt by their children. Or they feel more neglected or disrespected or used rather than cherished and honored and and loved. Uh, There are those who desire deeply to be moms but are are not. Uh, There are dads and kids often living with regrets with how they've treated their moms or the moms in their lives. But whatever the situation, we all have moms. And God has something to say to us today about them and about us. In spite of our mistakes, God, God takes care of moms. And God, he takes care of families. And he takes care of the family of God. And John chapter 19, it's a great, I believe, a great encouragement to our faith today. To the faith of moms and the faith of those who love them. Uh, it highlights several simple truths that we Uh, need to be reminded of often and the first truth is that jesus cares for moms jesus cares for moms now the setting was this jesus is on the cross jesus is dying for the sins of the world he was on the cross for six hours from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon during those hours he endured mocking and jeering and taunting from the crowd and from the soldiers and even from a thief on the cross next to him. And he broke his silence seven times on the cross. Seven times. Sometimes they're called the seven last words of Jesus uh, you know, on the cross. It really, they were phrases or statements. But in the first three hours, Jesus broke his silence three times. He broke his silence to to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Some scholars debate whether that is actually, um, whether that actually is, uh, uh, happened or not. Um, But there's another one. He, he, He broke his silence to forgive a repentant thief. Remember that one? Today you shall be with me in paradise. And then he broke his silence a third time. And it was to care for his mom. And it's recorded right here in John, chapter 19. Verse 25, Jesus' mother Mary uh, 
is there at the cross, and she's not alone. She's with her sister, most likely Salome, uh, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. There is Mary, the wife of Clopas, uh, the mother of James, the younger. There is Mary Magdalene. And they are there for support. They are there because they love Jesus. They were there because they were not afraid of what the soldiers might do to them because they love Jesus. What remarkable courage they showed for, just by being there. And some of them were there at his uh, burial. And some of them were there at his resurrection as well. But Mary was there uh, standing by the cross of Jesus. That's how moms are. Moms are there for their kids. And they, they hang out in groups. That's why you kids are like, I can't get away with anything. Because if my mom doesn't catch me, her friends will. They're always there. And it's good. Mothers instill a, a powerful sense of purpose and mission in their, in their children. I remember hearing about uh, the writer John Erickson who, who said that his mom gave him two sentences that, that really impacted his life. She said, God has given you a special talent. You must protect it and use it wisely. There's one mom that I know of that before her kids would go out in the evening when they were teens, and especially if they were going on a date, uh, she would say, remember whose you are. Remember who you belong to. There was a painter, Benjamin West, and he tells a story about when he was young. And his mother went out to the store and he left him home with his little sister Sally and while his mother was gone, he got into some, uh, some ink, uh, bottles of ink, and he was trying to draw his mother a picture. But while he was in the process, he, he spilled the ink all over the place. So his mom comes home and sees ink everywhere. And here's what she did. She walked over. She picked up the paper that he was drawing on, held it up, and said, what a beautiful drawing and then he she gave him a kiss on the forehead and he said my mother's kiss made me a painter my mother's kiss but jesus sees his mom standing in support in love in courage standing there at the foot of the cross with these other ladies who also love jesus and in verse 26, we read this. When, when Jesus saw his mother, here's, here's Mary standing there, watching her son be killed, hearing them mock him, watching them torture him and taunt him. Think about how her heart must have broken. Think about how her heart must have ached to see such violence done to her own flesh and blood. Simeon had prophesied 33 years earlier in Luke chapter 2, verse 35, that a sword would pierce her soul. And her soul was being pierced at this moment. And, and Jesus saw his mother, we see in verse 26, but he also saw someone else. Who did he see? He saw, and he's not named, it's a description, the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom he loved. Who could that be? It was John. How do we know it was John? Well, this is really a, a, a title that is a primary clue to who wrote this gospel. In a sense, it was a, a way of name-checking himself without drawing undue attention to himself. It wasn't that, that John was more loved than all the other disciples. 
It wasn't like, hey, uh, I'm the disciple that Jesus really loves. No, it wasn't like that. It was his way of not, not putting his name in. Jesus loved all the disciples. Jesus loved everyone. He loved him. Let me tell you today, Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. Jesus cares for you more than you will ever know. You are uh, the one he loves. Even though you may feel unlovable. Uh, If you do, I would just say you came by it honestly. Probably. But what you do with it and where you go with it makes the difference. Uh, Jesus loves you. You know, Jesus often uses mothers to spread his love. Uh, I know with my mom, my mom was wonderful to me growing up, and she said a lot of good things to me. But you know what's interesting? When I look back, and I thought about this, I thought, you know, I need to tell my mom this when we're out in Fallbrook today visiting them. I, 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 I'm going to tell her this, because um, I haven't told her this before. Uh, it was, with my mom, it wasn't a word. It was that knowing look that, that told me everything was all right. It put everything at ease. She knew I struggled with being smaller than the other kids. She knew I struggled with being skinny, and she knew I struggled with getting picked on. And my mom was, was my, my, my strength in, in many ways behind the scenes. But it was just the look that she would give me, and, and all was well. I just needed to have the eye contact. What did Jesus do? Jesus sees Mary, he sees John, and he speaks to Mary. What does he say to her? He says, woman, behold your son. Now, we don't talk like that today, do we? But, but that, that phrase, woman, was, a, was a, in that culture a very respectful way of, of addressing a woman. Women in those days were considered property. But Jesus, as he did with children as well, consistently raised the status and the level and the esteem of women all the time in his dealings with them. And Think about how he dealt with the woman caught in adultery in the very act. Think about how he dealt with the woman at the well. Think about how he dealt with Mary and Martha. And he turns to to Mary and he says, Woman, behold your son. Behold your son. What was Jesus doing here? What was he saying? He was in the process of doing something. He was in the process of Because here you see, he says to John, behold your mother. Your mother. Well, I thought that was your mom. (laughs) No, your mom. Uh, Behold your mother. Now remember, you've got to remember where he was. He's hanging on a cross. He's bleeding. He's beat up. He's bruised. He is in the process of securing for all time forgiveness, redemption, release. And in the midst of this, he's stopping to care for his mom. Not thinking about himself, he's thinking about his mother. What was he doing? He was in the process of perfectly fulfilling the fifth commandment. Exodus 20, verse 12. You probably know it by heart, but I'm going to go there. Because I want to read it one more time. Exodus 20, and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. That your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Well, Jesus' days weren't going to be prolonged too much there on earth. He was dying that very day. But he was getting put in a grave. 
And he knew full well he would rise back to life. But Jesus was perfectly fulfilling the fifth commandment, the forgotten commandment. The forgotten commandment. To honor means to cherish, to to consider as valuable. And God wants us to honor our parents. He wants us to glorify him by treating them well and to be a blessing to them rather than to be a curse to them. To be a blessing to them rather than crushing their hearts and piercing their hearts with foolish choices and actions. And I'll tell you what, adults, the fifth commandment is not just for kids. Now, yes, it is, it is applied to kids in, in Ephesians 6. And I don't know about you, but it's somehow very easy to, to think only of Ephesians 6 when we think of honor your father and your mother. Uh, when Allie was a little girl, she said Ephesians 6.1 was her favorite verse. That's beautiful. I think it still might be. Um, see, it's applied to kids, but in, in, in Exodus 20.10, it was given to the community. It was given to the people. And the, the primary application of this verse is for adults to rise up and to honor their aging parents. That's the primary focus of this verse. He was honoring, he was honoring his father and his mother in this action. Joseph was most likely dead at this point. He wasn't present at the cross. We haven't had mention of him for some time now in the scriptures. And Jesus, as the firstborn, would have had the primary responsibility of taking care of his mother. He was the, would have been the main breadwinner and the main uh, responsibility for the care. Now, we will either, we will either honor or dishonor our parents. That's a heavy, heavy load. It is a heavy, heavy responsibility. What does it mean to honor our mother? There are several things I want to mention. First of all, what if your mom has passed on? Many among us have, their, their, their blessed mother has passed on. And you ache deeply for her, even now. It may have been 20 years ago. And still the thought of her brings you to tears. Uh, what do you do? What do you do if she's passed on? First, you can honor her memory. To pass on the stories about her life to your children and to others. Uh, allow God to use that even while, while you remember her. But if she's still living, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do what the scripture says at each stage in the process. Um, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Ephesians 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Obedience means to listen and to do. Honor. It means to cherish, to treat them as valuable, to, to count them worthy of your obedience. It leads to a blessing from God. It doesn't lead to a curse, it leads to a blessing. Proverbs 30, verse 11 says, There is a kind of man who curses his father and who does not bless his mother. Let me talk to the kids right now. Let me talk to the kids and the kids and the teens and anybody who's living under, the, under their parents' roof. I know something about you. No, I didn't talk to your mom before the sermon. But I know something about you. And I know it because I know myself. See, there was a time in my life where I was disrespecting my mother uh, immensely. And I was still living at home. And my father 
would not allow that to go on. And I'm so glad. But he got in my face more than once. We went the hard way. I took the hard way more than once. But kids, I know there are some of you that are majorly disrespecting your mom on a continual basis. I know, I know, we're all on our good behavior today. So am I, I'm all dressed up. But some of you are, uh, are disrespecting your mom. You talk to your mom in ways that you never would do so right here when we're on our good behavior. Um, you are doing things that uh, you know are wrong. You lie to them. You're lying to your parents, and maybe they don't even know yet. They probably do, though. They're probably patient. But you're lying to your parents, and you're showing disrespect to them. Now, not all of you. I know there's some of you that are doing that uh, consistently in your life right now. And I'll tell you something. Um, Proverbs 13, 15 says, The way of transgressors is hard. I took the hard way for a long time. I would not bow. Before Jesus or before the authority God had placed in my life. You know, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Your number one job, if you're under your parents' roof, if you are still living at home, is to honor, to rise up in honor and to obey. Uh, next, to, next to obeying God, that is, your, that is your role. And if you insist on going your own way, all I can do is plead with you to, to, to turn from that. Um, again, God says we can do this the hard way. Or the easy way, right? You choose. Either way, you're not going to win. Um, what about when they get older? What about when our parents get older? Many, many of us are dealing with this right now. I know that. Many of you are, are sharing time between two cities right now. Okay? I know that. Um, we need to minister to our, our, our moms and our dads unselfishly as they minister to us. All the things they did, and the, and the roles get reversed. And it feels so weird that now you are the parent in many ways, and your parent is the child. Oh, that's so hard. I think that's harder probably than changing the diaper, even though I tried to do as little of those as I could. Uh, I have, a, yeah, I was real sneaky about ways to get away on that. Um, it's a sacrifice, but I'll tell you what, it is a good sacrifice. It's a way to honor. And uh, if it means building another room on your house or taking out whatever you need to do, we've got to honor our parents and plan to honor them in whatever way God leads us. Moms are worth a lot. We've got to recognize what they do. Um, Jesus cares for moms. It's so simple, but, but we forget that. We forget it. Um, we're going to either be care, careless or careful with, my, with our moms. And I'll tell you what, too. Jesus cares for moms with breaking hearts. Moms with breaking hearts from their kids who have wandered far, far from home and somehow can't find the way back. And your heart is crushing and it's getting pierced like with a sword. And I'll tell you what. Um, God knows. God knows. And, and, and he is the, really, the good shepherd. Jesus is the only one that can bring those those wandering sheep back home. And I know you're on your knees for them all the time. Uh, I was at a funeral, I did a funeral yesterday for a 21-year-old who passed away unexpectedly last week. Knew him since he was six years old. His mother, uh, he, w- he was her only child. And uh, her heart is breaking. And she's going in and out of tears and, and, and joy uh, and peace and tears and anguish and grief and joy and peace and the cycle 
But you know what? This guy spent time in jail, and, and he, he wandered far from home. He made, some, he made some unwise choices. He knew it. But when he was in jail, God turned his heart around, turned his heart inside out, and he amazingly and dramatically, and uh, like he, does, he did with uh, mo- most of us, transformed our life, transformed his life. I, read, I was reading his journal, and this guy went deeper than I could hope to go someday with the Lord. And you know what? This mom now, she's rejoicing because, because Jesus called his wandering one home. For the last year, this guy was on fire for Jesus, led a lot of his friends to Christ. And you know, God had a purpose in taking him too at his perfect time. There's more we see here. Just a few more things I want to share with you. Jesus cares for moms, but he also cares for families. Kind of widen the circle a little bit here. He cares for moms, but he also cares for families, for households. Look at verse 27. Jesus said to the disciple, to John, he says, Behold your mother. And from that hour on, the disciple took him into his own. Took her into his, his own. Kept her as his own, his mom. He had his own mom. But he also had another mom. And she became part of the, of the household. Jesus was asking John to treat Mary as his own mother. And John obeyed him, took her into his home. Jesus transferred the responsibility, the authority, the accountability, the care for his mother Mary to John. In a world that attempts to reinvent and to redefine the family, where there is a blatant attack on God's design, we've got to remember the family's God's idea. And it starts at the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 127. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And we are told how in, in Genesis 2, 24. That a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God's original purpose for the family was one man and one woman cleaving to one another as husband and wife and becoming one flesh in fruitful union, both, both physically and spiritually. Loving one another. And then if, if God blesses them with children, shepherding the hearts of those kids that God blesses them with in, in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. That's God's idea for the heart of the family. You can read about it in Colossians 3, another uh, kind of a summary of what, hap- what was said in Colossians, uh, Ephesians 5 and 6. But sometimes the idea of the ideal gets broken. It gets broken by, by death or by divorce or by other some situation that happens. And it hurts. But single family parents are, uh, single, family, single parent families are created. And there are many today. Many, even in our own church. And God has been faithful to millions and millions of fathers and mothers who've had to bring up their kids alone. Alone both physically and spiritually. Second Timothy chapter 1 even. Spiritually speaking, Paul said this. He says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith which dwells in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. Wow. Chapter 3, verse 14, he says, Continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, from your mom Eunice and your grandmother Lois, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, 
because they taught them to you, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through Jesus Christ. What a testimony. We know that Timothy's father was a Greek, and he probably did not know the scriptures. Um, Timothy's mom and his grandma did for him what his father could not or would not do. They filled him with the scriptures. The scriptures brought him to faith, and faith in Christ brought him to salvation. Solomon says in Proverbs 1.8, Hear, hear my son, your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Moms and dads have a role. Instruction, teaching. Parents are to teach their kids what it means to follow Jesus. Teach them to pray. Teach them the good word of God. In this way, he wants to fill the earth with human beings who will reflect his glory to a wanting world, that families would show the world the way that God relates to his covenant people in love, in faithfulness. Jesus cares for moms. And then we see here that Jesus cares for families, that he is taking care of his family. And there is something else. We see that Jesus cares for the family of God, that Jesus cares for the family of God. Notice who Jesus did not entrust his mother to. His half-brothers. This is a little bit of a confusing one here. Her own sons. Jesus had at least four half-brothers. They're recorded in Matthew 13, uh, 55. You've got James and you've got Joseph and you've got Simon and you've got Judas. Not the, not the bad one. Um, it didn't entrust the care of his mother to them. What was, what was going on with that? What happened there? A couple ideas I could think of. Um, most likely, they weren't in line with his ministry. They were not yet believers. We do know, that, uh, we do know two that came to Christ. But they probably um, also weren't there. Weren't there. Didn't believe and were not at the cross. I never thought about that before. They weren't there. They lived in Capernaum. That's where we find their, their home is in Capernaum. But what this tells us is something about the new relationship that Jesus was inaugurating uh, with the body of Christ. That we are called brothers. We are called sisters. We're family. Jesus was was creating and instituting a a system, uh, a family system of support in the church where we we are to, uh, to relate to one another as brothers and sisters both in word and deed. Not just, hey brother, hey sister, but treating each other that way as well. You go look in, in Acts uh, chapter 2 and how they shared and how they lived and how they, they related to one another as, as a family. Many of their families had, had disowned them because they had come to faith in Christ and they had this new family. Paul loved the family of God. Uh, the Galatians, they were fickle. They they were, they, there were some things going wrong there. And Paul wrote to them and said, My little children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2, something that sounds similar. He says, We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother tenderly cares for her child. Um, Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5. He shows them how to relate to others in the family of God. He says, uh, 
Don't sharply rebuke an older man. Appeal to him as a father. Appeal to the women as mothers. Appeal to the younger women as sisters. And the younger men as brothers in all, in all purity. He was also showing him how to care for those in the family of God who had no family to care for them. And you can look at this later, but in First Timothy, the idea of the widows, the widow indeed, the one who does not have kids who can care for her. And to care for her. The church was to be their family when they had no family to care. But if they did have family to care, their family ought to do that or else they were worse than unbelievers. If he, it says he who does not care for his own is, is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We've got to care for our own. But when, our, when, when those um, who have none to care for them are present, we must come and, and care and be their family for them. Believers in Jesus are a part of the family of God. Family. Um, who may God want you to come alongside and give yourself away for? Give yourself away in service to a kingdom and a king far greater than, than, than your life. Something that is eternal. Who would God, who would God want you to come alongside and, and adopt as a mom or a brother or a sister? Believers in Jesus are a part of God's family and I would be remiss if I did not ask you today, are you a part of that family? Are, are you a part of that family? In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says that as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, members of the family. God cares for his own. But are you a member of the family of God? Have you come to faith in Jesus? Do you believe that he died on the cross that we're talking about? Do you believe that he was buried and he rose from the dead? Do you believe that he can forgive you of your sins? He says he can and that anyone who comes to him, he will not cast out. I invite you today, if you don't know Jesus, if you're outside the door of the house and you have not walked through the door into the house and into the family, I encourage you to come to Jesus today. As simple as asking him to forgive you and to be in control of your life. It can happen right there in your seat as you're sitting there in a simple prayer. A simple prayer. I want to say one last thing to you, and I want to say to everybody here present today. Yes, Jesus cares for moms, and he cares for them so deeply more than we ever would know, and more than we do. He cares for families, he cares for the family of God, but he also, he just, he cares for you. You. And I will say, once you write down you, if you're taking notes, cross it out. And write me. Jesus cares for me. Make it personal. Can you say it and can you believe it? First Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Can you believe it? Can you, can you, can you get there? When Jesus was on the cross dying for the sins of the world, all he and his mom had was eye contact. That was it. Eye contact. But he was working on securing a far deeper and longer lasting connection, a spiritual connection that would last for eternity, forever. His earthly human relationship with Mary was coming to an end. That's why he cared for her and 
made sure that she would be cared for. He was fulfilling the purpose for which he came to earth. Things were changing. He was becoming not her son, her savior, her redeemer, her deliverer, her provider. He was becoming something far more than her son. There's something about motherhood that I need to say as we close today. I think God wants us to view motherhood differently than we do at times. I know for me, this last week, I've, I've thought through this a lot. I think sometimes we think that if we just do all the right things, if we say all the right things, all will be well with our relationships on earth, including with our mom. But you know that doesn't happen. And there's two reasons why. One, God is sovereign and he is in control. The second one is people are involved and that muddies the waters. <laughs> We're involved, so it's not going to be pretty, okay? Um, there are moments of, of, be- of flashes of just beauty. But come on, we know how life is. Now, uh, so what am I saying about, about um, viewing motherhood? I'd say this, moms and kids, don't put your stock, don't put all the eggs in that basket of your relationship with your family. Don't go there because it will spoil on you. The basket will turn over and the eggs will break. Um, as good as they can be, human relationships um, can never meet our deepest needs. And here's what I think. I think we need to uh, have a biblical view of motherhood. A biblical view. And to do this, we need to recognize this truth. That when God's kingdom broke into the world in the, per- in the person and the work of Jesus, he was then uh, calling into question, in a sense, every human institution, including motherhood. Every institution, humanly speaking, was being affected and would be affected. In light of Jesus, everything is affected. They're all in the process of passing away. Our esteem, our allegiance to the institutions that God has given in themselves, in a sense, you could say it stands under the judgment of God. How so? Put bluntly, Jesus calls our love for our mothers into question. Now, I know I've got you listening now. Um, What do I mean? Jesus doesn't want to be one among a list of loved ones. Who do you love? Mom, dad, oh, and Jesus too. Um, Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother and the rest of his family, wow, he He can't be my disciple. Wow. What's all that about? That's not a popular Mother's Day text. (laughs) I'm not going to preach on that one. Um, But if we don't come to terms with this truth, motherhood won't have its proper place in the home and in the church. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to hate our moms. Of course not. Remember the fifth commandment. But his intent is that we would find our fulfillment in undivided love for him. That all other loves then are are secondary to our love for him. And that love for family should in comparison seem like hate. 
compared to our love for Jesus. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm thinking, I'm not there. I don't know if I can always say that I, I can't always say that I love Jesus so much more, and, and that, that hurts. I, I, I tell you, I, I, it, it, when you think about it, um, but here's the deal. Christ wants to free us from all competing allegiances. Even our love for our moms, if our love for our mom gets raised too high. But here's what God does. Here's what, here's what Jesus does. He wants to free us from the complete competing allegiance, but then he sends us right back into that relationship to honor it, to maintain it, Because he created them. He, he ordained them. And we do not honor them for their own sake. We honor them for God's sake and his glory alone. The Christian ought to obey the command, honor your mother as serving the Lord, as unto the Lord and not unto men. That every act of honor, every act of obedience, every act of submission in this world is to be an act of honor and obedience and submission to Jesus. See, with all our good intentions, we, we will fail and continue to fail one another. We disappoint our moms. We disappoint ourselves. We are sinful. But in Christ, we are new creations. He makes all things new. And so by his grace, he enables us to do what he calls us to do. This passage ought to encourage our faith. Uh, Jesus cared for his mother, but how much more in his exalted state does he care for us? He honored his father by providing for our greatest need on the cross. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we praise you that you have done what we could never do. And we praise you and thank you, Lord, that you continue to do what we could never do. Encouraging us, enabling us, bringing peace and joy and fulfillment into our hearts and lives. Oh Lord, we love our moms and we pray, Lord, you would give us your grace uh, to do what you would have us to do in relation to them and to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And that you enjoy this day. And I hope the moms do have uh, an enjoyable day. And, and do feel honored and loved and cherished and, and uh, treasured. I just want to remind you of two things. One, those bookmarks that are in the bulletin for you to use. Dads, especially you dads, pick those up this week. Open your Bible. Gather the family. And moms, if a dad doesn't, pray that they will. Or you might have to just pick it up and do that in their stead. I'll tell you what. The other thing is this. I'm going to be down here. Zadia will be down here. Uh, others will be up here, down here, <laughs> up front, uh, to pray with you. If you want to come to faith in Christ, uh, we'll be down here. We'd love to pray with you about that. If you just have needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, anything, just come on down. We'd love to pray for you and with you. But God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.